Hello and welcome to another episode of the Politicking Podcast with me, Ben Hudson. And me, Stuart Thompson. So this week's episode is a slightly different one. We've invited a guest on this week and it's something we'll be looking to do more of in the future with the podcast. So just to hear more about the stories of people working in and around politics, to hear their experiences and how and why they got involved in politics and hopefully to inspire others to get involved as well. So without further ado, let's welcome our first guest, Councillor Carl Cashman. Welcome to the podcast. How are you doing, Carl? You're all right? Nice one, Ben. Yeah, I'm good. Thanks, mate. I hope uh, you and Stuart are doing well as well. Yeah, we're all good. It's been, um, we were saying before, Stuart wasn't me. Hay fever is absolutely doing me in this week, to be fair, Carl. So not had the best night's sleep. But uh, apart from that, yeah, doing all good. I always tease, um, I always tease my friend about hay fever because it's like, it's such a strange thing to be allergic to, isn't it, flowers? <laughs> I mean, I know. You can't get much worse, really, can it? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's a, yeah, a bit of a joke. But, but Carl, I think it's worth starting by letting everyone know that me and you've known each other for a while, haven't we? So I think I'm right in the same face when we were in McDonald's a good 10, 12 years ago. Is that, that right? Yeah, yeah, going back quite a way there, Ben, but... Yeah, both from the uh, the main streets of, of Prescott, aren't we, mate? Um, we oh, met in the, the Prescott McDonald's, McDonald's flipping burgers together. And then I think I, I didn't realise that you worked in the LGA. And then I think I was sat in an LGA meeting and you just walked past me. And I was thinking, what's Ben doing here? <laughs> yeah, and then I think you're, you're more local now as well, aren't you? Yeah, no, that that's right. Yeah, so like it was a bit weird that day because that was my first day at the LGA as well so I walked in and just seeing you and I was like oh there's Carl like old mate from back home like yeah just felt a lot more settled and stuff and yeah so so Carl I mean talking of when when we were back in McDonald's 10-12 years ago is that where your like political journey started then was you was you kind of like politically active then or or was it a bit before that even yeah I was going to say, I thought you were going to say, is that when you thought I'm going to go into politics? You know, like, I just had this vision of staring into a burger and thinking, you know what, like, this is it, I'm going into politics now. It was um, it was when I was 18, mate, so um, it was the 2010 general election, so the first general election I could vote in. And I thought, I'll, I'll watch the leadership debates. Um, I don't think many 18-year-olds tuned in, but <laughs> I, I did, I found it interesting and... I got swept up in that whole Clegg mania at the time. Um, so it wasn't just the fact that I liked the debating. I went and read the manifestos, which again is probably not something you'd imagine much 18-year-olds to do. But um, I just thought the Lib Dem manifesto stood out to me. And um, a lot of people might say that I'm actually from an area where you wouldn't expect me to, to vote Lib Dem. But if you know a lot more people read the manifestos, I think they would think the same. Um, so yeah, I went from when I was 18 years old, I, I got involved and then I am where I am now, somehow. <laughs> so so can I just ask Carl, because like, I have to say it, it reached out to me a bit that as well, because I remember those those debates and I was really interested in them at the time. Um, but what was it about those that like really got you fired up kind of thing? And, and what was it about like Nick Clegg in particular that, that really got you interested in kind of like the Liberal Democrat Party as well? I think, I mean, the way... If you remember the debates, uh, it was the, the the consistent phrase was "I agree with Nick," wasn't it? So I think um, what Nick Clegg was saying at the time was really landing with with people and with the other political leaders, apparently. Um, but I think it was just the the idea of doing things differently, so placing themselves in a position where it's you know 
that you don't need to do things the same as we've always done it. I think that's how he opened up his speech. And the two old parties are, are done for, um, essentially. So we need something new. And I think that grabs young people. Um, but it also grabbed a lot of, of other older people or people of different ages and backgrounds. And I think that's what got me involved with the Liberal Democrats. And I think it's it's through meeting people in the party and interacting with people in the party, which has kept me there and made me realise that that's the, um, the party that's for me. And when you when you look at the history that they have in Merseyside as well with um, running Liverpool City Council, you know there's a, there's a lot of liberal history in the city itself. So so just going back to that, Carl, you said you you went and met like people in the party and stuff. How did that come about? Then how did you find out like where to go to? You know you know to like actually get involved with the party? Because I think like a lot of people would struggle with that. You know I've even struggled thinking about it sometimes. So can you just explain a bit about that? Yeah, it's a good question, Ben, because to be honest, I, I struggled with it as well. Um, so the only way that I actually found out who to go to was through looking on the council website and seeing when the surgery was, which actually isn't intended for political party members. It's intended for uh, for residents to raise issues. So um, it's, I've got a good story about when I actually did turn up. Um, but I think that's a really good point. You know, the fact that people haven't got a, a straight journey to, to uh, getting involved with a political party and I know a lot of people that I've spoken to have said to me it's been a really big issue for them because they've thought I can't do that politics like, no it's not for me that but you, you, you realise if you get involved that there's all sorts of different people involved in politics um, so the actual story of me going and getting involved so I turned up to this surgery and um, this guy comes in just he's wobbling all over the place Um and he says, who are you? And I said, my name's Carl, I've joined the Lib Dems. And he's like, have you joined the I think he was about in his 70s, Bill Summerfield, he's a, he's a legend. And at the time he was mayor of Prescott and I didn't have a clue what that meant. And he was just like, I'm the mayor, you know, I'm the mayor. It's <laughs> like, I, first of all, being involved in a political party seems alien to me, but talking to someone who's a mayor of something seems even more alien. Um, and then after he came in, the guy who kind of run things, who was who was a good friend of mine and a, an ex colleague, Ian Smith, walked in the room and he's a, he's a giant. He was huge, and I just remember thinking, I've never seen anyone so big in my life. And um, from that moment on, he, he he really looked after me and and taught me everything that I know today. Really, I think that's a really good point you make, Carl. Because actually, if anybody joins any political party or tries to get involved. It's not always very obvious what to do. You know, I don't know, you might ring up or email somebody, but quite, you know, what it involves, meetings and branches and wards and all these sort of things. But you've taken that initial involvement and through all the way now to being a councillor as well. So you were a councillor in Knowsley first and now Liverpool, is that right? Yeah, that's right. So I was a councillor in Knowsley, moved over to Liverpool now. And I was actually group leader in Knowsley and, and now group leader in Liverpool. So I don't know like how that's um, translated, but obviously you know, I'm very flattered to, to lead a group of, of councillors that are looking in the future to, to take control of the city council. Um, without getting political, um, that, that journey for me, um, I never expected that. So if you would have asked me when I joined the Liberal Democrats, are you going to stand for election? That was never, ever my intention. 
I just wanted to, to join a movement where I thought there'll be like-minded people and I'll be able to express my, my views to them and, and help them to, to somehow get on in the area that I lived in. Um, the fact that I've ended up in the position that I am is down to people giving me that guidance and, and, and like you say, you know, giving me that framework for what is involved in being in a political party. Um, a, a big issue that we have a lot is people turn up and because the activists are so used to just delivering leaflets or knocking on doors, they just think, give them a bunch of leaflets or tell them to come and knock on doors. But there's much more to being a political activist than just that. And I think the political parties need to learn that in order to uh, to get people engaged as well. I think, yeah, yeah. I, I think yeah, it's a pretty common problem of political parties across the piece, isn't it? You know, it doesn't matter which one you join. The first thing you're going to do is going to deliver some leaflets. But but activists often have a way of sort of talking amongst themselves and behaving because they're often... Well, I mean, not necessarily brought up together, but they've often been in the party for a long time together, so they know exactly what to do and where to go and all these things. But as somebody new coming into it, you have to learn all that stuff, don't you? You have to try and, I guess, ask people, have have mentors within the party. Is that is that is that the sort of the way that you did it? Yeah. So so Ian was always my mentor, and the greatest thing about Ian is that he he taught me on that journey, but he also taught me how to campaign. So a lot of what I learned was through him. So the campaigner that I am now is, is thanks to that. But he learned his craft from Trevor Jones, Jones the Vote in Liverpool. So essentially, you know, the creation of the Focus Leaflet and the way the Lib Dems campaign across the country now was, was you know, it began in Liverpool. And um, I've kind of been a, a student of that craft, really, which I'm very fortunate for. But I'll, I'll give you an example of um, of a time when it was difficult for me and this was you know, not nothing to do with the area that I was involved in. It was another area in Merseyside, but I won't say where it was, where I thought, you know what, I'll go and help them because they had a by-election and I, I had that treatment. It was just like, I, uh, here's a bunch of leaflets. It was, it was bitterly cold, by the way, and I was just told to go out and deliver them. Um, so I think you're right, the, the political activists have a language that they use together but I think they can learn a lot from just interacting with with normal people, and I say that term, I say that term in the nicest way possible. <laughs> Carl, I was going to ask as well, like, because you are relatively young. I mean, that's coming from me as well, like, who's <laughs> similar age to you and stuff. But uh, is is that a bit of an issue in like politics that you've seen, like engaging younger people, kind of? in it like is there many kind of younger councillors that, that you know of and stuff or is it just kind of you holding that thought kind of thing yeah there's um there's not many young councillors ben and you know uh, i think a good example of how bad it actually is is the fact that you counted as a young councillor if you're under 45 i think in the rta i'll take that, that. <laughs> i don't know exactly exactly well i've got 50 i've got 14 years <laughs> but um I think that shows how how bad it is in terms of, you know, it's more weighted towards people who've retired. <laughs> I know I see Stuart there laughing. <laughs> Stuart, you're more than welcome to join the Dems. <laughs> but I, on it, it's more, for me, it's more about the way uh, being a councillor is structured. Um, so, you know, some of the meetings are at times where you couldn't do it if you were working full time. Um, if you've got child commitments, things like that. 
So a lot of people go into it who are retired because it suits them well. And I think that's more of a behaviour change in terms of attracting people to the role of being a, a local politician. Well, I mean, just on that point, Carl, and I don't think a lot of people actually know this, but like, so a councillor, that's not like your full-time job, is it? Do you know what I mean? You've, you've, you've got another job. You don't get paid necessarily, do you, to be a councillor? I think you get expenses, if I'm right in saying that, for kind of like travel and stuff like that. But you don't get an actual salary of being a councillor. And I don't think a lot of people would know that. How do you then, you know, you're saying it was more aimed towards kind of you know, right, retired people and stuff. How do you balance it with like your work-life kind of balance and, and being a counsellor? It is, it is quite difficult and, it, and it's a good, It's I'm glad that you made that point, Ben, because, um, you know, in Liverpool, it's £10,000 a year, which is not enough to live on. It's it's a supplement, yeah. your salary, and intended for any, like, like you say, you know, out-of-hours duties that you carry out. Um, so being full time and a counsellor as well, you know, you can be you're accessible at any time. So it does really impact your day job, and you know I've had to take time out of work and um, paid through work where I would prefer to take that as a holiday, but I've had to take it because I've had to do council duties, and that's just the reality that we're living in at the moment with with the way it's structured. Um, I don't know how to change it because it is a it's a difficult problem, and there's not an easy solution to it um, I mean one of the, the solutions really is, is changing the, the, the meeting times um, but for, for me then the, the funniest thing about that is so if you go onto Twitter particularly in a place like Liverpool which as you'll know is very very you know hot on the political scene you know it's very fiery and that's that's like that's saying that's, it lightly. that's polite yeah exactly um, and there's people on Twitter that seem to think that you're making an absolute fortune from being a councillor. And actually, most of the people who are, who are in local politics are in it not for the money, but to genuinely do something for the community. And I say that about all, all political parties as well, actually. Yeah, 100%. I agree with you there, Carl. Um, so, I mean, like, just, just moving on slightly... What advice then would, you know, just to round this segment off, what advice would you give to someone looking to get into politics then, no matter how kind of big or small? Um, I would say be persistent is, is probably the main piece of advice. Um, so you might come up against some barriers, uh, particularly if you're an outsider coming in, uh, because as Stuart said, you know, you've got those group of activists in political parties um that can sometimes act a little bit cult-like, you know, if they look after the friends a lot. So, you know, be persistent, um, contact your local councillor, contact your, your local party executive, and, you know, just, just work work as diligently as you can, because there's, there's a place in politics for uh, for young people, there's a place in politics for, for BAME people, there's a place in politics for women, you know, it's just about being persistent and not letting the naysayers put you off. You know, turn Twitter off sometimes is a good piece of advice as well, I think. <laughs> I think we could all do with that in politics or not, do you know what I mean? But uh, no, that, that's great, Carl. Let's just leave that segment there and we'll be back again after a short break. Uh, brilliant. Welcome back, everyone. Um, Carl, the, the Lib Dems did well at these last set of uh, local elections. What what do you put that down to? Um, well, 
we we do a lot better in local elections than than national elections, and you you've probably seen that that trend over the you know, the decades where we've existed as a political party. That's down to the sheer determination and just just doing things right in the community. Essentially, I call it pavement politics. You know, it's the nitty gritty, getting your bins clean, things like that. Um, but I, but I also think it's the the national picture as well. So. There's a lot of soft conservatives out there that won't naturally gravitate to the likes of the Labour Party or the Greens or anyone else, but they're quite comfortable with, with coming to the Lib Dems. And I think we've seen that because of the upsets that the, the, the national government has caused. So I think we're picking up a few of those, those areas and that's going to be very, very important in the next general election as well. Um, I know there's... It seems like Labour are on course to do well, but I don't know if they they might not do as well as some people seem. I think you're right. I mean, I mean, Lib Dems and Labour tend to do well together, don't they? If you look at sort of general elections, particularly general elections, less, less so locally, but general elections, you know, if, if people start, if the electorate start to move away from the Conservative Party, then you get an uptick in both the Labour and, and the Lib Dem vote. So... So what's, what's your, I know uh, crystal ball gazing is always a bad idea and asking people for predictions, but if you, at this time, what are we, 18 months-ish, uh, out from the potential general election, do you, do, you, do you see the Lib Dems continuing to do well? Um, maybe, you know, increasing the number of seats they've got in Westminster? Yeah, well, I, I do think we'll increase the number that we've got. Obviously, there's, there's those few that we won in by-elections recently that will be quite difficult to hold but I know the MPs there are doing a really really good job and that that's the thing about a Lib Dem MP once they get in there it's difficult to get them out that's it exactly you plant the feet in the ground (laughs) but um, in terms of the national picture I think I had a friend who said to me the other day you're gonna get you're gonna get 40 odd seats and I said we're not we're not gonna get 40 odd seats we're gonna a 30 would be um, a, a good mark to get to I think um, in terms of the overall picture I think the, the Tories will lose but I don't think Labour will gain an overall majority and the reason I say that is because when you go and talk to people about the Labour Party you know they want change they like Labour the brand at the moment but they don't like Starmer the brand and I think that's what Labour are finding hard to sell so do you, do you think then Carl we're heading for a coalition again then? Is, it, is that what your, your prediction is for the next one? Yeah. I don't think I'm allowed to mention the word coalition, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> the C word is banned. I know, exactly, exactly. Um, so, I mean, obviously a hung parliament, that's a, that's a potential outcome. But my advice around a coalition with, with any party and I, you know, I'll say this if there's a conference or I'll say this to Lib Dem friends and obviously publicly as well would be to not do an actual deal in the same way that we did in 2010 and I just think because it's it's always disadvantageous for the, the smaller party and um, what happened to us in 2015 it, it's t- taken us a long time just to get a little bit of that recovery so we need to learn the lessons of the past um, but I could see some potential deal where it's a confidence and supply so you know on, on issues where we agree we, we get Labour policy through um, on issues where we don't agree we can hold them to account and the reason I think that'll be really important is because 
I I believe Labour will will be doing really really bad things in terms of civil civil liberties, and I think that's where we can really get some wins and, and hold them to account on that. Uh, yeah, I mean, the political party, and I think you're right, Carl. Sometimes you know differences between the political parties can get sort of slightly simplified glossed over so we'll talk about brexit we'll talk about whatever it might be but actually there are differences between the parties and their approach and you highlighted one there that you would see as different between the lib dems uh, and labor and i'm sure tories vice versa would you know point to labor etc but even even under those circumstances you can see a, a, a position where the parties can still work together they can still sort of find some common ground uh, to, as you say, not form a coalition, but enough of a commonality there to, to work together on issues, I guess. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I do. I think a, a sticking point for myself and, and probably for another, a lot of other Liberal Democrats is the involvement of parties such as the, the Scottish National Party. Um, I don't like nationalism. I know, you know, 90% of, of the people I talk to who are Lib Dems don't like nationalism. And you don't want to be held to ransom over the, the Scottish question at the moment, I think. So I think that will be a red line for us. I'm not speaking for the party nationally. You know, I'm, I'm speaking for myself. Um, but yeah, there, there is commonality between us and the Labour Party in, in the same way that there's overlap with, with other political parties. As long as you know, they've got the, 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 the right um, you know, course of action in, in heart for the country, then that, that's we want to support to support a party that would do that um, and I think it's quite clear at the moment that the Tories haven't got the best interest of the country at heart so yeah I, I think it'd be difficult to convince people so I'm coming at this from a point of view where we've experienced this in the past and it's been devastatingly bad for us and it could happen again so the, the, the caution that I would have is even if there is a commonality just to be just to be careful that that party doesn't do you over to use a technical term. <laughs> You're right. I mean, because last time effectively you went from and again you'll remember the numbers better than me probably, but what, it was sixty odd MPs, you know, high water marks, etc., and down to you know eight or whatever at the last general election. It, it it didn't do the Lib Dems any good in that sense, regardless of what was achieved during the time in in coalition. So there's you know people. You know, we'll worry about that. So if you can, if if the party can get up to sort of thirty, forty seats, that's a massive, um, you know, ringing endorsement for Sir Ed Davy and what he's doing and and the way the party's rebuilt itself. So, um, which has taken a lot of effort. I think from the outside, it looks like you know massive effort on behalf by MPs, but but councillors as well. Yeah, no, definitely, and we've been the boots on the ground, really. Um, but I I do have to agree with you with with Ed. I think Ed's done a really really good job. And he wasn't my choice for leader. Actually, I voted for Leila, and and there was reasons behind that. Um, but Ed has been a, a slow burner, and I think he's really impressed me as time of time's gone on. And it, I think it's his it, his approach is is very statesmanlike. He's very calm. He's very collected, and he's sensible as well. And I think people like that, especially those soft soft conservative types, um, and. <laughs> At the moment, I think anything looks sensible in comparison to what's happened in, in, in the national government. So I think Ed's got an easier job there, but he's done really, really well. And I hope that he, he, he continues to do so. I'll ask a, a horrible question, which we can uh, cut out. 
you don't you don't fancy running to be an MP yourself at some point, do you, Carl? Or a bit a bit, a bit early in being a uh, you know leader of the, the Lib Dems and the Liverpool City Council. Yeah, someone asked me this the other day actually, and I, I do get asked it all the time. <laughs> you got to be cheeky, haven't you? Yeah, you ask, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so when I when I so after I first stood a few times, I did want to become an MP, but then I think time and and this you know this is this is a perfect um, kind of point to relate to why you're doing this podcast so it was over time seeing the reactions to politicians on social media and other platforms that made me think why would I put myself through this like why would I become an MP and then just be hated by a, a massive majority of the public for for actually trying to do the right thing and um, so at the moment it's a definite no it could potentially change in the future but I, I do think it will be a no I'm I'm quite happy doing what I'm doing in Liverpool, and I want to make sure that we actually we win in Liverpool again. I mean, just on that card as well, I've heard in numerous like from numerous people like Sadiq Khan and stuff like that as well. They're they're all saying that like the main politics really is taking place at the authority level, and really that that action at local level is the stuff that is really making a difference anyway. Not not in Parliament. I think I heard Andy Burnham say he'd never go back into being an MP again. Like he's he's, he's kind of done with it and stuff. So. I know, yeah, let's do it. I know. <laughs> I love that facial expression. I think that's that's exemplified exactly how I was feeling it. That because I like, don't get me wrong. I think Andy has been an effective mayor, um, but I do think he's got aspirations as well. Um, but I, I actually agree, I really do agree with that point, Ben. And it was it was Mike's story that said to me. So we were having a conversation in his one day, and we were talking about becoming an MP. And he said to me, why would you ever want to become an MP when, as a councillor, you can directly influence people's lives? If you run a council, you can change people's lives directly in the community that you're involved in. And that really struck a chord with me, that. And I think if you look at what the Lib Dems did, um, you know, between, I think it was 97 and 2010 in, in Liverpool, you know, we took the lowest band of, of workers in the city council and we rose them all up a band and then eradicated that band. And we changed the bin system, we brought in alley gates. What we, we, we brought in capital of culture, the things that we did for the people of the city. And, and there's people who still remember that now. And I will always look at that and think, yeah, you know, don't this be in a local councillor because you can actually make some, some impact. I think that's 100%. Yeah, I think that's so right. I mean, you know, there are a range of, I'm going to call them jobs, I don't quite mean it in that sense, but there's a, you know, if some, if a younger person wants to become politically active and politically engaged, you know, they can just join and you can sort of, you know, just watch what's going on, but you can become an activist, you can stand for office as a, as a, as a councillor and you can, you know, do different things within, in councils or you can be the MP. In other words, it's not just about being an MP and I think sometimes, or a, you know, an MSP or whatever in Scotland and other places and other parliaments as well. But sometimes we get absolutely focused on being an MP is the only thing in politics that really matters. And frankly, it's, it's not. There's so much other good work that takes place across the country day in, day out. Uh, and there are loads of options for, for, for younger people if they do want to be politically active. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And I would, I would go one step further than that, Stuart, and even say the likes of the work that Ben does... Um, you know that it's it's not you know you're not tied to a political party or you're not being political per se, but you're involved in the political process. And I think there's roles for for young people like that because you you go around a council or you'll go around Westminster and 
know, you look at the the civil servants and you think most of these people are a little bit older. But um, there is a place for younger people in, in that realm of politics as well. 100%. Shall we move on to the dreaded B word, Brexit? Um, so I just wanted to, I wanted to look at this, Carl, just to kind of... Grab the C word and then the B word. <laughs> <laughs> like, let's get through the alphabet. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I just wanted to look at Brexit really and like the Liberal Democrats' stance on Brexit and basically how this will help them fare at the next election. Because I think... So if I'm right, right in saying this, they, they would kind of take us back into the EU. Is that, that correct, Carl? Yeah, I think it's when it's politically convenient to do so. So uh, the interpretation of that is, you know, we're not going to win a general election tomorrow and take you back into the EU. It's a generational thing. And we think that when the, you know, the, the attitude of the country change, which I think it's starting to do, by the way, um, we will take us back into the European Union. Because so, so, I think that's a key defining bit of uh, the Liberal Democrats' kind of campaign pledge, really, and stuff. And I think that will actually, I think that will attract a lot of voters to it, to be honest. Do you think that is going to kind of help you guys at the next uh, general election then? I do, I do think so. I think, you know, there's, there's an argument that the the Brexit debate is, is, is dead, which I don't agree with. I, I think we're starting to move on slightly, but those divides are still there. I don't know if you watched Question Time the other day, but I forgot what his name was, but he's an ex-Tory chairman. He's in the House of Lords. And he, he just laid into the government saying what an embarrassment Brexit was. And it, and it has been. And I think people who are looking for a political party or someone or somewhere to put their, to put their ex in a box, look at the Labour Party. And they're, they're doing exactly what the Tories are doing on Brexit. The Tories have completely bought into the loonies on the right, essentially what they're saying at the moment. So, you know, they, then people have got nowhere to go. Um, I, I've had it, you know, where people are saying that we're not being pro-EU enough. But I think, you know, you've got to be reasonable in, in these arguments. You know, you've got to be pragmatic and practical. And I think our stance at the moment is, is probably the right one. Um, and I would hope that reasonable people would see that and when the Labour Party can't make a success of Brexit also they're probably going to turn to us even more so we need to be ready for that My only uh, slight concern with it Carl is you know we've we've left now and I feel a bit like if we go back with a begging bowl what what do you think we'll actually get from them do you know what I mean like I just feel a bit like we're kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place at the minute with this situation, aren't we? Yeah, like that, that's a great point, Ben, because, and this this kind of, you know, it incites you, you wanting to say, I told you so, because the deal that we had before we left, no one else, no other EU nation states had that same deal. You know, we already had a special deal with the European Union um, and it still wasn't enough for us. So... I think it will be very difficult to negotiate something similar and we might actually have to go back in with a deal that's worse than the one that we had but in my opinion that can't be worse than what we're experiencing now you know where food bills are going up because import costs are, are absolutely astronomical and cost of living is just exacerbated by how difficult Brexit has been. Uh, so Carl in terms of like other key kind of like pledges from the Liberal Democrats in the run-ups to the next general election what, what other like issues do you think they're kind of going to really push hard on and that will really 
kind of resonate with uh, you know voters across the country yeah so i mean things that are quite important for me um so drug policy is quite important for me so um decriminalization um not necessarily like legal so you know i do agree with legalizing marijuana particularly for uh, medicinal uses but the decriminalization if you look at the likes of portugal where they've done that you know it's completely transformed the the, the criminal system it, it's 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 brilliant and i don't know why we can't look at that and, and, and do something so i think that might strike a chord with some more progressive thinkers um but the the topic for me over the next five years is going to be fair votes like how how can we have a system at the moment where you know the labor party could actually get 40 percent of the vote and still not have enough seats to form a government or still not have the majority of seats and I, I think that's a debate that we've got to bring back to the forefront. I was going to say, you know, I mean, the, the you know the electoral system and its fairness and otherwise. I mean, we have sort of different forms of PR for for some local elections, but you know, in Scotland and you know London and places like that. But you know, we we've, we've never got round to sort of doing it at, at, at a national level. And I guess when we did have the referendum on it as part of the coalition, uh, you know, agreement effectively the only people really campaigning for it at that stage were the Lib Dems and it's and it's always really difficult for a a, a, a new government at Westminster to, to come in and then say well actually the system that we've just been elected on isn't the one that we want and we're going to tear it up and we're going to move across to this system and that that always seems to be where it where it falls down so even if Labour is even slightly in favour of it and I know some are and there's, there is a campaign in the Labour Party as well for, for electoral reform once you get into power, it's very difficult to move the machinery of, of government, isn't it? Exactly. Well, look at what happened in, in Canada when uh, Justin Trudeau got in. He said he'd change it, and he didn't. Um, I was quite disappointed with that because Justin Trudeau, Trudeau's um, a liberal as well. Uh, but you're right. You know, It's very difficult to, uh, to argue against a system that's put you in power. Um, but if the Labour Party need us to uh to, to 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 have that power then you know in my opinion we've got something to, to hold them to ransom over there and quite a powerful topic as well for me for me you know, the 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 issue is do you want a government that's reflective of, of society the way society is voting and if the answer is yes then you need to change to a proportional system and a caveat of that and something that's a really nice positive is that I don't think the Tories will ever win power again in this country, which will be quite nice. Again, that's very political. I know this isn't meant to be a political, necessarily political podcast, but that would just be quite nice for me either. <laughs> can't, can't avoid some politics when you invite a politician on, uh, whether they're a councillor or an MP or anything else. So, yeah, Got to get some points in there. <laughs> Okay, I think we're going to have to leave it there, but Carl could talk to you all day. Um, thanks so much for joining us on, on this week's episode. It's been great talking to you. And uh, yeah, catch up again soon. Catch soon. Thanks for your time. Thanks.